1: Hey, welcome again, Disability Law Show. Good to have you along. Uh, Sam, Tamar Gopian is here, partner, Samfiru Tamarkin, uh, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in Canada. How about that? You want to reach out anytime to Tamar. She's got a wonderful team behind her as well. It is simple, 1-855-821-5900. That is how you do that, help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email address we're going to refer to. Over the next hour or so, uh, so you can use that. There's other avenues as well to uh, to reach out and ask some questions if something comes to mind after the show. Anytime, mydisabilityquestions.com. As we always say, it's got a searchable database so you can look for your question or one similar that has been asked and answered in full. And it'll save you some time. If not, leave it there and it will get answered by a member of Tamar's team, MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Got a ton of stuff to get through on the show today, as always, Tamar, my friend. But uh, we always start with a situation that you've been working on. Uh, what say you?
2: Absolutely, John. And another busy week. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we do most often is uh, free telephone consultations, as you've already mentioned at the top of our show. And so individuals can contact us with questions about their disability claim regardless of where they're at in their disability claim. And so I wanted to highlight a question that came to us, uh, an individual I spoke with yesterday, actually. And he described, so he's still on claim, John. So this is why I'm encouraging individuals, if you're still getting your disability benefits, you've got questions for us, don't hesitate. You know, I'm happy to speak to anyone at any time. And his situation is typical in the sense that he's been on claim with the insurance company for a number of years. Uh, he is in the process now of uh, being under review for the change of definition, which we talk about week in and week out. For those who may be new to the show, this is the time frame. usually after around 18 months of payments or so, the insurance company will start to prepare the idea as to whether you will continue to qualify past the two year mark. So once you get 24 months of benefits, The test under most disability policies changes and it becomes, are you totally disabled from doing any occupation, anything in the world for which you have the minimum qualifications and that would typically pay you roughly around two thirds of what you were making before your health prevented you from working. And so in his situation, he's in that zone now. And he describes, you know, he says to me, Tamar, look, they put me with this rehab facility I'm dealing with an occupational therapist and a physiotherapist. I'm going regularly to these treatments and I know they're updating the insurance company, but these two uh, treatment providers have decided I'm getting back to work in 30 days. That's the date they've decided. And he, and he says to me, I don't think that's really fair. It seems shady. The, he actually used the word. <laughs> it seems shady," And I said to him, You know, you're a bit right because when we kept talking, he said to me, the insurance company and these treatment providers haven't even bothered contacting his own doctor. So they haven't talked to his own doctor about his treatment, about you know his progress. Uh, They haven't said anything about you know whether or not he's capable of working in his own doctor's perspective. But they've got this goal that in 30 days he's going to be able to be back at work. And he says to me, there's absolutely no way that's going to happen. And i said to him you know you're probably right uh but let's unpack this a little bit insurance companies have provisions in their policies that say if we think that you need certain treatment if we think that your health can be improved by us providing you with some rehab we will do that and we will encourage you to attend and by the way if you don't we're going to cut off your claim okay it, it doesn't quite read that way john but that's essentially how it plays itself out so Generally, I say to individuals, look, if you've been assessed and the insurance company wants you to do treatment, then by all means, if you think you need the treatment, then you should attend, you should participate. Frankly, you also don't want your benefits to get cut off. So I think you want to really be cooperative with those efforts. Mm. But at the end of the day, it should be your own medical team, your own doctors, your own treatment, treatment providers who should be providing the opinion to the insurance company as to whether or not you can work. And so, look, I understand insurance companies have their process, but this process is not that transparent in the sense that, John, they're not going to say to you, look, we're going to put you in this rehab because we do want to kick you off claim. (laughs) We're going to put it through, you know, this process because it typically is quite aggressive. A lot of them are what's called work hardening programs. So they put you through a very rigorous physical uh, treatment plan. And the idea being that by the end of it, you should be ready to assume your prior job or some other occupation. And so they don't always tell the claimant that's essentially the goal of the treatment until you start the treatment or maybe you're somewhere through the treatment. And like this individual, you're sort of getting the sense, well, they say I'm going to be better in 30 days. I don't see how that's going to happen. It's not, it's not going to happen, John. And so in his situation, I sort of said to him, look, you know, you need to engage your own doctor, okay, the fact that they haven't contacted your doctor actually helps you, because you can then broach with your own doctor, look, this is how I'm progressing. This is where I'm at. Can you just reiterate your opinion that I'm not capable of working right now. And, you know, anticipate that the insurance companies got their goals. And their goal is if they can find an opportunity to cut off your claim, they're going to do that. Mm -hmm. Because financially, that's better for them. We know this. Uh, But at least then you've got something to assert to the insurance company to say, look, you didn't even check in with my own doctors. Here's what my own doctor is saying. How can you reconcile this versus what your treatment providers are saying, who, by the way, are quite biased because they're paid by the insurance company. And they're saying, look, I'm ready and good to go. So he's in the process. You know, do do I think that he's going to be cut off in the 30 day mark? It doesn't sound like it from what he's described but of course I'm not a doctor, so this is why I recommended that he engage his own team. But also if they do, and they haven't consulted with his own doctors, John, then I'm all over the decline letter. I wanna see what could they possibly use as justification to decline the claim? Because if it's not done properly, they are exposed to potentially a damages claim. They're certainly exposed to a legal claim for continuing the disability benefits. And I said to him, look, I'd be more than happy to help you. It could be that the writing's on the wall. That may be, but go through the steps and processes, ensure that you've got your, your, you know, your doctor on side. And by all means, give us a call, keep me posted. These consultations cost nothing. And I'm happy to provide this guidance along the way. If I see it going in the way that I think it's going to go.
1: And again, that, Brad. that, that, That's for you as well if you're listening to the show today or catching our TV show. Anytime you want to reach out, have more of a, a private, lengthy conversation. Uh, with Tamar or our team, it's uh, it's really simple. No pressure, no stress. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Just get some uh, some feedback anyway and help at disabilityrights.ca, which is uh, where we're uh, heading to now. I guess, tomorrow get our first email of the show happening. Uh, this one comes from Steve using that same email address. Says, hey, Tamar, I, uh, I had a serious knee injury and I've been on LTD since March 2021. My job's very physical, and the insurance company is attempting to push me back to work in about two weeks when both my doctor and I think uh, it's at least a month too early. Also, the return to work doesn't seem to be gradual enough. What are my options uh, that are best for me?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Steve, because it does tie in quite well with what I was saying at the top of the show. And so, you know, what Steve needs to understand is that Absolutely. If his doctors are saying he is not ready to return to work, he should not be going against his own medical advice to do so. The insurance company, unfortunately, is going to do what they're going to do. But you need to think about your own health, Steve, and you need to abide by your own doctor's medical advice because it's also a bit of a best intentions, John. I've also seen situations where individuals have rushed back to work, feeling that pressure from the insurance company to get back. And the return to work is not successful. Well, then you're back to potentially square one. You need to go through the process of obviously getting back your onto your LTD benefits. You would be part of that recurrence claim. And it can be a headache. And I can tell you that a lot of insurance companies will resist once they have a reason to kick you off. They don't want you back on. So you really do want to be ready to get back to work. And you shouldn't do so unless your own doctors are endorsing it and giving you that green light. So in Steve's situation, most specifically, I think what's important to understand as well is that some insurance companies will broach this sort of return to work plan with your own employer, but other insurers won't. Some insurers will say, look, you should be back in three months or two months or whatever, in this case, a couple of weeks. We're going to prepay you for that period of time and you're essentially on your own. So what should Steve do then? Well, he's got to make contact with his employer uh, And really make sure that there's something gradual potentially put in place. I think that's one option for him certainly is to sort of test it out, do a couple of partial days, a few hours here and there, and see how it goes from a health perspective, especially when it's a physical one. He describes his job as very physical. And I assume because of the knee injury that that's really what's prevented him from working all this time. And so that's one element of it. The other side of it is is that if the insurance company is actually participating and putting something into place for you, you do want to make sure that they're also abiding by any restrictions and limitations that your own doctor has described have to be put in place to allow you to get back to work. So for example, you know, if Steve cannot lift in a certain amount you know and that his job requires him let's say he has got to lift regularly for 20 pounds every day John for his job yep. if that's his situation and his doctor is saying he's he cannot do that that element of his job right now there needs to be some clear medical information around that restriction so right. that if Steve is going to get back to work whether it's in two weeks or a month or whatever period of time that that restriction is respected by the employer, once he's back at work so that he's not putting himself again like I said back to that square one situation where he's incapable of working physically as a result of his health. So I think those elements are really really important. In terms of options, you know, like I said at the end of the day, you want to make sure you're going back when it's the right time, not buckling under the insurance company's pressure. And you want to make sure that things are in place that are consistent with where you're at from a health perspective, and that your employer is aware as to where you are at from a health perspective, so that you can make that nice gradual return and ensure at the at the same time that you're keeping tabs with your health and not doing anything that's going to put you in harm's way.
1: We'll get, uh, we'll get back to Steve's email. I've got a question about that, and we'll move on to some other uh, details as well. You want to submit? It is help at disabilityrights.ca. And outside the hour of the show, you want to get a hold of Tomorrow and your team, 1 855 821 5900. We'll continue. Disability Law Show.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: All right, welcome back, Disability Law Show. Good to have you with us today. You can reach out anytime to Tamara Gopin, partner Sam Firu, to mark an LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in this country. And to do so, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca, and if you go to disabilityrights.ca, the firm website, shrink it down, you get a media tab and a chance to uh, look at some of our past and present TV shows as well. But a thirty-minute taste of what you get here. On the uh, the radio show every week again, disabilityrights.ca is uh, is the way you do that. Uh, Steve, we talked about Steve going back to work, physical job, knee injury, not ready to go back. The uh, you know the workplace insurance company, rather, is pushing him back to work. Um, is it gradual enough? Doesn't sound like it's going to be, but we'll have to see how the uh, how that all plays out. If he does return to work though, but can't continue because of his health, which is likely happens all the time, then what does he do? Yeah,
2: re- really good question, John, and so. As I mentioned in our prior segment, most disability policies will have a section that says if your health, if your health issues recur, if your disability reoccurs and prevents you from working once again, within a window where you're already off work and paid for disability benefits, then you should be able to trigger that part of the policy to start up your LTD benefits. Again, it's called a recurrence provision. Most policies will have a window of within three to six months of a prior claim. If your health reoccurs, you can theoretically get back onto claim without actually being subject to the waiting period. So a waiting period or a qualifying period, also called an elimination period, John, lots of different names. It means the same thing. When you are uh, disabled from working, you have to wait for a period of time before your LTD benefits kick in. Not only that, You have to demonstrate to the insurance company that in that period of time, you remain disabled under treatment and not able to work in order to get to dollar one with the insurance company for your LTD benefits. Now, the good news, I suppose, in some situations is that most employers will have actually a short-term disability plan that covers off that initial waiting period because it can be quite long. Sometimes it's 119 days or four months, six months. Uh, And so that waiting period can be a while. And so if, again, going back to Steve's situation, if his health issues recur, if he's still not, you know, if he goes back and he's not able to sustain his day-to-day duties and hours, and then he won't have to wait those four to six months for his LTD benefits to kick in, he would simply submit further medical information to the insurance company and say, look, I can't tolerate this and I need to come back on claim. The problem, though, is, and I see this far more than I care to admit, you know, like I said in our prior segment, if the insurance company finds an opportunity to kick you off, they're going to be that much more critical and resistant to get you back on claim. And so be mindful of that. This is why it's so, so important that your own doctor is involved in this process. It's important that you keep tabs with the doctor. Make sure you're, you know, keeping tabs on your own health and and tolerating the amount of work that's realistic without putting yourself in harm's way, because at the end of the day, this can get a little bit messy. And, you know, insurance companies don't really actually want to pay these kinds of claims because they're concerned that if you're back on claim, you may not ever go back to your own, own job. And it starts to become this idea of, look, is there something else that we can put Steve to do, for example, that's not his physical job, perhaps. And, you know, that may be realistic analysis, certainly the insurance companies want to put it into that analysis. But their, their knee-jerk reaction, John, is always to put you at a desk job. And so I don't know what Steve's been doing with his career his whole life, but if he's been doing a physical job for 20 years, I can't see him behind a desk answering phones after that. So there's a lot of things that go into this analysis. The insurance companies are very good at trying to protect themselves and their dollars in situations like this, but at the end of the day, you should know. That this recurrence provision does exist in most policies. You should be able to access it, particularly if you've got the medical support from your doctor saying, uh-uh, no more. You're not going to continue working. You're off again. Get your disability benefit.
1: Steve, good answer right there. Lots uh, lots to chew on. And if you want to continue on now, you can uh, give Tomorrow and her team a call just to have more of a chat, just like, just like we did, right? one 821 5900 is the way you do that, Steve. Appreciate all your correspondence and taking the time to uh, to write into the show. Ramona, up next, again, email address, help at disabilityrights.ca. Use it, says, uh, I've been at my job for almost 20 years. Things are changing rapidly, and I've been accused of making mistakes and slow turnaround time with my work. I have diabetes, arthritis, depression. And high blood pressure. Can I go on LTD or will I have a fight on my hands? I really do not enjoy being there anymore.
2: Well. Really interesting question, Ramona, or questions. She's asked a couple. Yeah. And so just to provide our listeners some context, you know, our firm does specialize both in disability law and employment law. And in situations like Ramona describes, there's a lot of intersection. Sometimes you can have a workplace situation that's not working for you and you've got a variety of health issues and it can I would say make it a little bit gray for the insurance company to figure out look is this truly a disability claim or is this truly an employment issue is it some combination of the two unfortunately life is a bit gray John in the sense that it's never that cut and dry Insurance companies want it to be cut and dry. These adjusters want to put you in a neat little box and say, okay, you've broken your arm, you can't type, you get disability benefits. But there's a lot of situations that are not quite clear this way, which is why we found this intersection so helpful for our clients and you know listeners to advise upon. And so here goes with Ramona's situation. If there is medical support that she is not able to work, And you can see that she describes that she's making mistakes, she's missing things, she's got a slow turnaround and whatnot, and that could be related to her health. If that's the case, and and she's spoken to her doctor about it, and the doctor has suggested, look, I think it might be related to all of your different health issues, then yes, it is the time to assert a disability claim. But you do need that medical support. It can't just be... I don't like working at this place and so i'm going to just go and pursue a disability claim no that's that's not how it's going to work the insurance company is going to say no john right i mean they're they're going to as they do routinely we'll ask your employer look were there performance issues before the promona went off work you know what was happening was there absenteeism did you observe any health For issues sure. while she was at work was she struggling and so they will do that analysis. They'll ask those questions to the employer, and they will ask those questions to Ramona as well, and sort of see, okay, look, is is she providing consistent information? Are we getting the right info from her doctors, and so on? And so that scrutiny is there. And so you want to be careful that you're you are asserting the appropriate disability claim truly on the basis of a disability claim. And I do think that you can have health issues that then slowly, you know. Pro- impact your ability to perform your work that's okay too courts have said you can have progressive health issues that you might be diagnosed with something or you've had an issue and then one thing layers on top of another thing on top of another thing getting you to a point perhaps several years later where you just simply cannot meet your occupational duties as a result of your health not for anything else but as a result of your health and so if that's the case then i do encourage remote to assert a disability claim you know, it's again, like I say on the show all the time, I'm not a doctor, but I have dealt with lots of clients who have multiple health issues, like Ramona does diabetes, arthritis, just depression. And the symptoms around that, John, are typically things like fatigue and brain fog and poor concentration. And so, depending on the type of work that she's doing, sounds like, you know, it's somewhat data focused. She needs to have some accuracy in the work that she's doing and perhaps high volume, lots of turnaround. I could totally relate to that. And so if you've got these conditions of fatigue, poor concentration, other things, then of course, it's going to impact your ability to work. But you yep. need that medical support. That's the starting point. If, if you've got to follow medical advice, if your doctor thinks you're better off continuing to work, then yes, you may have a fight on your hands with a disability insurer. If this is a poor workplace situation and you need to make your tough choices around your employment, that's a whole other kettle of fish. In fact, we've got a whole show dedicated to that as well, our employment law show. But for the purposes of disability, looking at it as a, as a disability lens, I always say to people, you got to talk to your doctors. It's not so much a legal question. It's really one, it's a medical one. And if you and your doctors feel that this is not the right time for you to continue working so that you can focus on your health and recover then that is what disability benefits are for, and that should be a payable claim.
1: It's interesting too it kind of raises the question that you know will will that claim an LTD claim be denied if the workplace triggered the health issues that put the person off work and I'm talking well to your point like burnout anxiety because number one if the workplace is a trigger number two things like burnout and anxiety don't necessarily show up on an x-ray or it's not like a broken bone or a, or a cancer diagnosis i mean there's no you know you could be in for a bit of a fight in that regard no
2: yes absolutely you can and so you know, the insurance companies have come a little bit of ways in terms of better understanding, better adjudication on mental health claims. But where they start to unfortunately lose is the, the part where they assume that just because the employment situation triggered a health issue, that it is all a workplace issue. And that's that's not actually what the courts have said courts will recognize a standalone mental health condition that prevents you from working as a valid disability claim. So yes, it can be difficult in a situation like that to perhaps persuade a case manager who has no medical experience that your anxiety and your burnout are preventing you from working right now. I I think what what helps situations like that, John, unfortunately, is time. So when individuals come to me, they say, look, my, my, poor workplace situation triggered a mental health reaction. I just had a burnout. had to be off. I'm on, you know, I'm trying to get my disability benefits approved. I always say to people, look, you want to make sure that your medical information is consistent with that. You want to make sure that you've got a doctor who's preparing maybe not just the forms, but a couple of paragraphs, a report who can describe, look, I've seen the changes in my patient. This is what I've seen. This is why we came to a point where she or he could not continue working. And these health symptoms, issues, panic attacks, anxiety, whatever it is, are persisting, even though she or he is out of the workplace setting. Insurance yeah. companies like to say, okay, well, you know, it's your work, so you just go work somewhere else. That's an easy answer. It's not always the right answer. In fact, the majority of the time, it's not the right answer at all. It should in fact be an appropriate disability claim paid for by the insurance company because it's a standalone mental health condition preventing someone from working. But if it starts in the workplace, that's where, as I described in Ramona's situation, it can get gray. There's a little bit of muddying of waters because they need to sort out. You know, Here's the key question, John. If the answer to the question is this, if you could work doing the exact same job in a different workplace setting, and you're okay to do that, yeah. if the answer to that is yes, then yeah, it's probably a workplace setting issue. You need to make some choices around whether this is a healthy place for you to continue working. But if those health issues are persisting, like I said, if they still are there, even though you've removed yourself out of the workplace setting for two, three, four, five months, then no, that is not an appropriate reason for an insurance company to come back to you and say, we're going to decline your claim. That's not going to fly, at least not from my perspective, because you do meet the test of total disability. Don't Uh forget, it's relatively straightforward. If your health prevents you from doing the essential duties of your occupation, Full stop, benefits are payable, at least for the first part of the policy, the own, own occupation period.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Often, you know, you and James often refer to as, you know, it's not bad boss or bad workplace insurance. That's not what it's about. If you could cross the street and not suffer the same symptoms, I mean, to, to oversimplify it, I mean, then obviously you wouldn't qualify. But again, it's 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 with that medical backing regardless, right? You need that. And you need uh, your doctor and your medical medical team in your pocket to make this go forward.
2: Absolutely, John. And and we talk about this on the show as well, which is for whatever reason, insurance companies like to see a psychologist and frankly, a psychiatrist involved in most mental health um, Mm -hmm. diagnoses and treatment. And we know that that's not necessarily the best way to treat all mental health conditions. You know, there's lots of great family doctors out there. There's lots of counselors and social workers, group therapy plans. There's there's lots of ways to be treating that mental health condition. But for whatever reason, insurance companies are very focused on the MD part of it. And so look, if you can get a referral and get before a psychiatrist, have that diagnosis, check off that box, then great. But a lot of the time, this is why mental health conditions can be a bit of an uphill battle with insurance companies, unfairly, may I add.
1: Let's take a short break. We'll get to Garrison's email here in just a little bit. You can uh, write in as well, not just for the show, but any other time. Help at disabilityrights.ca. The phone number to reach out to tomorrow and her team. Keep it. Have a chat. Won't cost you anything just to uh, just to get some information. one 821 5900 and that third avenue for you to ask questions. Free, anonymous, anytime. MyDisabilityQuestions.com.
0: That's the way you do that. We'll continue. More Disability Law Show is on the way. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome back, Disability Law Show. Lots still to get through in the remaining uh, minutes of the show. Tamar Agopian, partner Sam Firu Tamarkin, LLP. They are the most positively reviewed law firm in Canada from coast to coast to coast. You can check that out. It helped thousands of people get the uh, the compensation they deserve from their long term disability insurer. It's it's not a lottery ticket, it's not a windfall, it's it's something owed to you, but sometimes you gotta give tomorrow and her team a call and uh, due diligence, and stand up and fight for uh, for what you're owed for sure. So for that, we provide the phone number, of course, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and again, help at disabilityrights.ca. That is the email address we feed off of every show, and we're going to do it again right now. Garrison, as promised, standing by says, uh, "Tomorrow, I've been getting my LTD payments tax free because I pay for premiums through payroll deductions with after-tax money." Would an eventual lump sum payment be tax-free as well? Thanks. That's a great question.
2: Great question, Garrison. Here's the short answer. Yes. But here's my long answer. Ah. (laughs) So just to give people some insight, when you pay for the premium for your LTD benefits, it typically means that your LTD payments, if you were to be on claim, will be non-taxable. And so if the insurance company were to make the wrong decision and wrongfully cut off your disability benefits then someone like me hopefully would be getting involved we would start a legal claim and what we do so well as john said at the the top of this segment we will get the insurance company to sit down and talk to us about settlement we are very effective at doing this they know us very well Uh, we deal with them quite a lot And the best means for us to do that is typically it's what's called a mediation. So we will schedule that hopefully within around six months and we get the thing sorted and resolved, usually within a year of being retained. And we talk about it with the insurance company in the sense of what's called a lump sum settlement. So what is that? Clients ask me this question all the time. And so really, most of these disability files will settle in one of two ways, John. Lump sum settlement is one reinstatement is the other much rarer lump sum settlement as you would imagine is a buyout of the disability policy for a period of time these disability policies you know will pay up to age 65 if you continue to qualify for benefits for that whole period of time in other words your health must prevent you from working in your own occupation and any occupation for the foreseeable future And so when that scenario exists, and usually this is really a medical question, right? So we look at the medical information, we gather that information, we prepare a fairly comprehensive mediation brief, and we attend the mediation on that basis. And we try to achieve typically as healthy a buyout as we can that makes sense with the medical information that we have, the information that we have about the duration of the policy, the duration of the health. And that lump sum settlement, when it is a non-taxable disability benefit or a non-taxable policy will also be a non-taxable lump sum settlement. There's no taxes applied to it other than what you would pay you know, for legal fees. And so in a situation like that, individuals often wonder, we're like, what do we, what do, we do with this? I said, well, it's like as if you're getting paid your disability benefit month over month, but you're getting a whole whack of it upfront and you're getting the monkey off your back, which is the insurance company. So most of my clients are thrilled with this outcome. By the time they come to us, they've been through heck and back with the insurance company. And so we achieve these lump sum settlements. The other side of it is a reinstatement, John. And and in a situation like that, not as common, the insurance company will say, look, you know what, we should have always had this person on claim. We made the wrong decision. We're going to put them back on claim or start up their benefit. And that starts to start up month over month. So as if you've been receiving it the whole time, they will pay whatever they hadn't paid for a period of time and continue getting your benefit month over month. The challenge with that, I suppose, is that you are subject to all the full terms and conditions of the policy. So this will include the rehabilitation provisions, for example, that we talked about at the top of the show. It will include, look, if you get other sources of income, we get to deduct. You know, we're going to continue to actively adjudicate your claims. So we're going to assess your medical information, you know, uh, relatively regularly. And if we think that you're at a point where you can be working in some capacity, then we, you know, as insurance company may cut you off. Again, and that has happened, John. So, you know, that's a challenging scenario. But in terms of, you know, Garrison's specific question about a lump sum settlement, if it's a non taxable policy, it will be a non taxable settlement. If it's a reinstatement and you're non taxable, again, it's non taxable, whatever income that you receive. But let's think about the other scenario. What if Garrison's premiums were partly paid by his employer and partly paid by himself? Or perhaps the premium was paid entirely by his employer, which can also often happen with individuals. And in cases like that, then the disability benefit is usually taxable. Taxable. So what does that mean? They will take the marginal tax rate that you've got, the insurance company that is, and for every month that you receive a benefit, they're going to deduct a certain portion of that and remit that portion as the taxable portion directly to the CRA. And at the end of the year, they're going to issue you a T4A form, which, which will say this is all the income that you received, and you will reconcile that with your own taxes and the CRA about whether or not they overtaxed or undertaxed you. Right, it can be a bit of a headache, uh, frankly. But you know, at the end of the day, if you're getting your disability benefit and it's a taxable plan, then this is you know you should expect that there's going to be deductions on your monthly benefit. So how does that play itself out, John, in the scenario that I talked about with a lump sum settlement with the insurance company? Well, you know, generally speaking, whatever is considered past LTD benefits. So if let's say you were cut off six months ago, we're sitting at mediation, we're talking settlement, the last six months of benefits will be taxed in a scenario in a settlement like that. However, as we look to the future, the future LTD benefits will not be taxed because future LTD benefits are theoretical. You know, we have that discussion with insurance companies about whether or not it's owed and payable, and typically they will not be applying tax to that future benefit stream, which is a huge advantage to our clients. Now, they do take that into consideration, but at the end of the day, you know, the the benefit there is that you get, you know, the monkey off your back. The insurance company is no longer, in, you know, the group that you have to deal with, and we can move on, and you've got your settlement, and, uh, you know, you can deal with your health without having to deal with the insurance company.
1: And with that we'll take a, a short break. I want to ask you one more question about that whole lump sum business because people always uh, inquire about it for sure. In the meantime to reach out to tomorrow 821 5900 again 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca is that email We'll continue a few more minutes of the disability law shows on the way
0: you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of global news radio 640 toronto
1: welcome back this is the disability law show thank you so much for tuning in again today Tamara gopian is the expert who handles the show answers all of your questions how do you get those questions to Tamara? couple different ways. First of all, the phone call, one 821 5900 That's not to call into the show. Of course, that's to reach tomorrow at the firm and a member for a fantastic team. The email address we use every week, help at disabilityrights.ca. And they've uh, crafted this free and anonymous website some time ago where you can ask questions. Search for your question as well for one similar called mydisabilityquestions.com. We'll try to get one more email from uh, Shoshana here in a minute. Uh, tomorrow, but we were talking about a situation earlier on with benefits and and paying your own uh, insurance, so on and so forth. And is it taxable? And if a lump sum comes up sometime from the insurance company, do you often? I guess you really got to look at the, if if a lump sum is offered by the insurance company uh, to one of your clients at some point while they're uh, while they're on uh, on claim. Do you really have to look at it with a microscope? Because to the to the layperson who's off, I mean, say they have, I don't know, fifteen years of benefits left until sixty-five, and it would have equaled, you know, half a million dollars, say, for instance, six hundred thousand dollars. And the insurance company says, Hey, how about this? We will give you ninety thousand dollars. Boom, one check done. To most people, that looks pretty good but they don't always do the math looking ahead 15 years of benefits and i mean how do you help them navigate which one they should take because you know 90 or 100 grand tomorrow sounds pretty good over waiting for a a larger amount over 15 years you know what i mean
2: absolutely really really good question so you know, what John is talking to us about listeners is, you know, what if the insurance company broaches a lump sum settlement with you while you're still getting your disability benefits. So without having a lawyer involved, you're still approved, you're in pay mode and the insurance company comes to you and says, look, we're going to offer you a lump sum settlement. What do you do in a situation like that? Yeah. Look, number one, you got to get some legal advice. You know, I think that it's really, really important to understand that, what your rights are. Because as John has described, you want to get a sense of, look, what is the duration of your claim? What's your age? What's potentially payable? what How is an insurance company going to assess this? M- am I expecting to be cut off in six months? Maybe 90 grand looks good, John, because uh-huh. you know I'm expecting my benefits to be done in a couple of months. Either way, though, you want to make sure that you're careful about accepting anything from the insurance company that's being broached. Because And look, I had a consult like this this week. They don't actually show you necessarily the release that you're going to sign in order for them to Uh. give you this lump sum settlement. And so there's a bit of a catch. I mean, nothing comes for free in life and certainly not in disability litigation. And so, you know, the release itself, I can tell you in my experience will have confidentiality provision. It can have a whole host of um, other onerous provisions like you can't be insured by us again. And. You know, you're, you're essentially buying out the policy, but insurers will often include terms and conditions in there that you, as an unsophisticated person who hasn't seen these kinds of releases before may not understand the consequences of that. So that is an important element over and above the amount that's being offered is what is being asked of you to sign in order to receive this amount. And I do think that each case is, is different, John. I think it is worth evaluating each situation you know, you need to understand as a disability claimant, look, what, what's the advice of my doctors? You know, is this a permanent condition? Am I likely to go back to some kind of partial work? Or is is that prospect low? You know, how far away am I to that retirement 65 age where I know the policy will end payments? You know, all of those things will come into consideration. And they will come into consideration whether you involve us or not. And I think that when you involve a lawyer, certainly at this stage, if you're being broached uh, some kind of a settlement offer, that's what I'm going to look at. I'm going to go through that with you. I'm going to get a sense of what your medical information is. I'm going to get a sense of how long you've been on claim and really what's happening with your claim. Have they sent you to an expert? Or are they putting you through that aggressive rehab? Like we talked about with some of our earlier emails, you know, what's your sense of where this is going? Cause I can tell you more often than not, I think in every case where I've seen a lump sum settlement being offered while someone's on claim, John, it's usually not anywhere near the full yeah, value of, of the claim. They are obviously doing the math thinking, okay, it costs us money to continue to adjudicate the claim costs us money to keep paying you month over month. Maybe we can incentivize this person by throwing them an amount that looks to be a healthy amount. And by virtue of doing that, we cut our losses. No insurance company is going to offer you 100 cents on the dollar. It's just not going to happen. So the, the essential question is, is that lump sum does it, is it sensible, given where you're at from a health perspective, your age, and the projection of where you're going to be perhaps in that year or two or three? And like I said, I I spoke to an individual this week, herself and her husband. We had a very long discussion around all these different options. She'd been on claim with the insurance company for several years. It was a very sad situation, actually. And then out of the blue, John, she gets this letter saying, we want to offer you a lump sum settlement. And, you know, we're doing this as a routine thing. This is not because of your claim. But it absolutely was because of her claim, because she was relatively young, and and the prospect of reemployment was nowhere near on the horizon. And there was 28 years or something left on the policy. And so it was, you know, we had to look at it. We had to look at it on a granular level, because the last thing I'd like, you know, for someone to do is to go off and accept these offers without knowing exactly what they're getting into.
1: Last two minutes of the show, we talk about free consultations. When they just pick up the phone and talk to you tomorrow, what can someone expect when they uh, when they contact you guys for a consult?
2: Yeah, good good question, John. I, I think it's important for people to understand that we try and make this as easy as possible. As easy as possible. We know that people are struggling with their health. They've probably been through the ringer with the insurance company. Even if you haven't, you know, we're happy to speak with you. What will end up happening is you call our main line you will get someone on our intake team. So it's a team of individuals who will speak to you as the initial point of contact. They will get some basic information from you, evaluate your situation, and set you up with a consultation with one of us, myself included, within a day or two. Uh, And we will ask you to provide some documents for us to review, and we will have our consultation. Consultation can be anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour, John. Sometimes I speak to people more than that my goal really is to try and understand everything that that individual is looking for in terms of advice. That's really my goal as a lawyer doing these free consultations. I want people to feel comfortable, but also to feel as though they've gotten the right advice when they've, you know, contacted us. And so we try and make that as quickly as possible. I know there's times where people want to speak with me so that they can then go and speak to a doctor or something like that. By all means, we're happy to do it. We try and do it as quickly as we can. And as comprehensively as we can and look and then sometimes that's not the end of the line. Sometimes we have ongoing emails and contacts with people, because if they are going to be cut off down the road, I hope to be there to support them to help them and to assert a legal claim if we need to.
1: And again that uh, that console don't feel uh, bashful to just pick up a phone whether you're doing it for yourself or the benefit of uh, of a colleague or a family member just talk to tomorrow and their team they're always ready just to have a chat uh, free of charge just to just to get a feel a bird's eye view of your situation and you want to do that anytime here it is 1855821 5900 1855 821 help at disabilityrights.ca. That's always the email address we use on the show and otherwise. And then finally, mydisabilityquestions.com, free and anonymous outlet for you to ask any other questions of the disability nature. So go ahead and use that. And we'll catch you next time on the Disability Law
0: Show.